This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Good evening, everybody. It is Jay Scott. Once again, you're listening to The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everybody's doing well out there, staying safe, staying healthy, as I've mentioned before in previous episodes. It'll end sooner or later. We just got to keep on doing what we need to do, and hopefully we can get back to a new normal once this is over. Like to welcome the latest guest to the new music spotlight. They're not really new, but they're more or less unknown or under the radar here in the United States and North America. Is a band that I've been a fan of for a while, and I'm really happy to have them on the new music spotlight. I'd like to welcome in Labros G, the drummer for the band One Thousand Mods. How you doing today, man? Hello, Jay. I'm fine, man. How are things over I'm, there? I'm How are things over there in Greece? Uh, to be honest, uh, we are one of the lucky of the luckiest countries uh, globally. Uh, the, the the death rate is really low. It's like 130 persons in total. We were really lucky to 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 not have so many so many patients early early in the pandemic so the most of the people stayed home really early and i think this is what saved us from this and of course maybe we are also lucky because we are not in uh, you know so much centrally in europe so all our airports and uh, uh, and all, all, everything about uh, uh, transporting and uh, the transportations it's not so big in, in Greece, so I think this is the reason that we are still really behind the other countries. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird how some countries are affected greatly, and some, you know, like Greece, really have not been affected yet, and may not be affected as much as you know the other countries around the world. So it's really weird. And once once they study all this and they determine what caused outbreaks in this country and that country and what helped other countries it's going to be really interesting to see that information yeah definitely i totally agree well we always but i think sorry i think in general uh, there was a big problem from many leaders across the world 
that they didn't take the situation so so seriously. And uh, I also this also uh, happened happened also in Greece. But I think we were just lucky that there were not so many people or already infected in order to you know before the lockdown to have al- already so many people that would be unstoppable. But we're lucky that there was no, there were not so many people already infected. Yeah, they're they're talking here that people were infected as early as November and and December. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's crazy to think about that. So, yeah, it's um. There's a lot of questions without any answers, and we're in uncharted territory. So, hopefully, soon we start to figure things out, and hopefully, you know, get back to a normal, whatever that is, once this is over. I mean, I think there's going to be a new normal for a while, and I don't think the normal as we knew it will be known for for a bit. I think it's going to be at least a year to two years before we feel normal again. That's just my opinion. I totally agree with this. Yeah. Really, I think we are going to live in a new norm for for at least a couple of years. Absolutely. Unfortunately, unfortunately, and hope hoping that less people continue to die. Yes. 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 <laughs> Hopefully. Well, we always start the episode every time we have a new guest the same way, and that's with the same question. It's with the essence of the show. The hook rocks, just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in. Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What hooked you? Me, personally, if I go really, really back, when I was like uh, 9 to 10 years old, uh, it was the Smash album by Offspring that got me into into so my my parents of course were listening to all the 70s and rock music was at my place really often and uh, also the the rest of the band especially the guitarist uh, George I I know him since since we were two and three years old and uh, every summer we were spending our vacation together so our way of uh, communicating was also through music and uh, this is the person that uh, I we learned together the majority of rock and metal music in our uh, early years and in our uh, teenage years but for for the special hook I would say it was the Smash album by Offspring it was, it was the first album that I felt like oh wow this is the music I really like to listen to and of course later a little bit later came to listen properly and really seriously to Black Sabbath and understand this kind of music, trying to understand this kind of music that since then is my it's my life. I hear a lot of Black Sabbath in your music. Um, as you evolved, you know, from you know the offspring and started to listen to different music, who inspired you to pick up the drums and want to play drums? To, to be honest, uh, this came uh, through 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 the same the same thing that we we did with music in general. We were really good friends with George, and later Danny. Uh, we met Danny and started hanging out together as children and as teenagers. And uh, listen, and all almost every of our vacation night, 
was on the beat listening to some good music, some metal or some rock music and uh, enjoying ourselves. And uh, George already was playing guitar for two years. And uh, one day we said, let's, he, he brought me a, a pair of sticks and said, we're discussing maybe making a band at some point. And he brought me a pair of sticks and uh, told me, let's try to jam or do something. So we took some cardboards and uh, some uh, uh, kitchen, kitchen stuff, you know, uh, from uh, big pots and uh, trying to, to simulate cymbals. And uh, I think we play. We tried to play the Paranoid for the first time and uh, Breaking the Law. These were these were the first two songs that we tried to play in in a kind of musical way. What was about you know? Was there a particular drummer that influenced you? I mean, you mentioned Priest. You mentioned you know Black Sabbath. You know Bill Ward, of course, one of the iconic rock drummers of all time. You know, depending on what Priest album you listen to, it could have been Scott Travis or it could have been somebody else. What you know, who who was a, a an influence for you on your drumming? On my on my in my life, uh, I have every every there is there are there are times you know that I'm really hooked with another drummer. But if I could make you know a rundown, I would say that uh, John Bonham and Bill Ward from the 70s and uh, later from the 90s uh, Dave Lombardo of course from the 80s and uh, from the 90s I would say uh, Dave Grohl and uh, Brand York yeah some great drummers there some some awesome huh. awesome influences so and Mitch Mitchell from Jimmy Hendrix Experience of course <laughs> oh yeah 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 great another great drummer so what you know as you guys, you know, started to play together, what was the moment that said, hey, you know, instead of playing songs by other artists, let's start writing our own music and let's get on stage? Was there that? Was there a moment for you guys with that? While we were still teenagers, like 16 to 17 years old, we had our first gigs uh, in local bars, you know, and... Uh, Mostly we're playing covers, as I think every every musician starts playing covers. And at that point, we also tried to have a couple or three songs on our own. And this continued to, to, to evolve. And uh, at some point, uh, around 2006, uh, we were the same persons, I mean, uh, the same group of persons, uh, we had uh, like two or three bands. It, we were like six or seven pe- uh, people that uh, we were all close friends and we had two different or three different bands. And uh, in 2006, it was uh, the, the, fi- the final lineup for Thousand Modes came and existed, the, the four guys that we are still today. And this, this was the moment that we said, let's try and put a demo, uh, record a demo, put it out and uh, try to you know, play uh, outside of our mother mother city, uh, outside of Athens, and let dream maybe playing outside of Greece one day. So I would say the the pivot the pivot point was uh, the pivotal point was around two thousand six. Now you guys keep building 
every album, every release that you guys have. I mean, you know, we talk about the new album, and we're going to get to that Youth of Descent, but, you know, you have repeated exposure, too, and then before that, Vultures, before that, Supervan Vacation. There were some EPs before that, and you just mentioned, you know, your goal was to, you know, play outside, you know, play in different cities in Greece, play outside of Greece, and you guys have been doing that, you know, building every album. You know, it's 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 almost like you guys are are you know er, taking another step every time you release a new album and, and new songs. That has to be pretty fulfilling for you to know that that initial goal that you guys had back in two thousand six keeps moving forward. To 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 be to be on uh, this was always our motto. Uh, we we were trying every time to to move forward step by step. We're we're never the dreamers, you know that we played the first uh, gig and the next day we're dreaming of playing in front of thousands of people all around the globe. Every time we were looking for the next step, and I think this is what got actually worked for us because we we were always trying to be on our feet, not our head, uh, you know. Our, our uh, minds be in our head, but but also being a kind of stubborn, headstrong, headstrong guys that whatever we want to achieve, we try the most we can to achieve it. Not in a I mean, not in a bad uh, way, stubborn. But you know, I, we want to record for the first time in a proper studio. Let's do that. Let's uh, work uh, some uh, city jobs just to make some money and do that. Then we, we need to go uh, on tour. Let's uh, work and buy some stuff and uh, buy amps and uh, rent a van and uh, let's try put all ourselves in our music. And this is how we got here. And we're really lucky. I mean, uh, if you if you see it from outside, if you think out of the box and see it from out the outside, it's not easy. The, the chances are, are against a band that starts this way. I mean, no one from us was a... Uh, you know, a professional musician. No one from us has uh, uh, was studying a big conservatorium or had uh, a, a lot of connections in the music business. We were just uh, four friends, lovers of the, of rock and, and metal music that wanted to express ourselves through our music. And we are really lucky that this got this got us so far to to have played all around Europe in in really legendary and big venues and be able to play in the United States and Australia the last couple of uh, years uh, I, I would ne- if someone came five years before and told me that we, we could achieve that of course if someone came ten years ago and told me that I would I would say that he was one of the craziest person I would ever meet I think it's really important to have that perspective because the music industry has changed so much over the past few decades where, you know, it is difficult for a new band to break through and a band that is realistic and understands that they have to really work it and have, you know, small, small steps equal the big goal eventually. Right. You know, I mean, if, if you, if you take a step every single time and, and, and maybe more than one, maybe it's three, four, five steps, and the next time out, you do you do more. Sooner or later, that that dream that you had when you were in your youth becomes reality because 
you're doing it the right way. You're out there playing for people. You're playing for everybody and anybody that will listen. You're playing, you know, markets that you never would have thought you'd played, like you said. And it's building a fan base. It's building an audience. Obviously, there's social media now that you can connect with people. But it really is interesting to see different bands' perspective on what they need to do to grab an audience and build an audience. And it's nice to hear that you guys understand that, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. So get out there and play, you know, get out there and play, get out there and build that audience and keep going. I mean, you know, you grabbed me in terms of, you know, enjoying your music about two years ago. I, I happened upon your music by accident and I, I, I love it. Um, you know, I mean, I've been a fan ever since. Um, but yeah, and, and I always believe that everything good will eventually find an audience. And I believe that's very true for, for 1000 mods and you guys. We really appreciate that. And, uh, to, and one thing that I forgot to, to say that is that we never believed that we would be able to, to travel all around the, the globe just playing our music. I mean, it's, it, I think with, with traveling and uh, meeting other, other, uh, other people and with completely different cultures, it opens up your mind and uh, makes you a better person and a better human being. And uh, to to have achieved that, just doing what we love, playing music, I think it's the most the big the biggest reward that we could ever have. I imagine as well, it makes you guys a better band. I mean, the, you know, you guys are in this together. You guys are building this together. One, you know all for one, one for all. And I imagine the synergy and the chemistry in the band builds as well. As you guys are growing this, I, I have to think that that improves as well. Yeah, of course. And the, the, the fact that we already we were already friends before we started the band, uh, I think maybe it made us have a bigger and stronger foundation in order to achieve that. Because, you know, there, there are a lot of bands that we know and a lot of bands out there that, uh, you know, they, they have been formed uh, through through advertisement or, or they have been, uh, they, they are not even friends or they just go for a practice in the practice room and then for a gig and then they do not talk to each other till the next time that they have, you know, job. It's just a job for them. And I think all these bands, they do not have the the foundations to to keep moving forward or to be mm-hmm. all together, as you said, one for all and all for one, especially in the bad times, because during the bad times is is uh, the most common uh, time that you you see how a group of people react uh, reacts and how bonded they are or not. Absolutely. Um, you know, I couldn't, you, you said it perfectly. I mean, you know, when you, when you experience all that stuff, it comes out in the music, when you're friends, it comes out in the music, all that matters, all that stuff that goes into it comes out of the speakers. And it's, it's nice to see how you guys have evolved since that first album to now to youth of descent and how it's becoming more of a, a, a success in that you guys you know, you guys went to Seattle to record this album. That's another, you know, step 
in fulfilling what you guys want to fulfill. How was that process, you know, going to Seattle to record Youth of Descent? Uh, this is also another thing that if someone told me three years ago or five years ago, I would never believe in him. And, uh, you know, uh, we have been, we were, were growing, we were raised during the 90s. And, uh, in fact, all of us uh, are born uh, between uh, 80, 84 and 87. And uh, so our uh, first years of listening uh, to music uh, was uh, through the 90s. And uh, some of uh, the greatest bands and uh, some of our favorite bands uh, came in this, in, this, in this time period. And uh, many of these bands were uh, based in Seattle. The, you know, the, the Grand Era was maybe one of the biggest uh, music rebellions ever happened in the music business in the rock music business for sure. And uh, and when we were trying to see what we we're going to do with uh, our fourth album, uh, our new our new riffs, our new ideas uh, were were kind of uh, actually music made us look to Seattle, you know, and uh, and uh, we we, ha- we were big fans of Matt Bales for many years. And uh, a lot of, of Matt Bale's uh, albums, even if he produced them or he was just the engineer or whatever, were big fans of these albums. And uh, we, we tried, we said, let's, let, let's try to, to reach out for, uh, for maybe do, doing a record there. And uh, the reaction was really positive. And that makes us uh, think that, oh, there's a big chance that we do that. And uh, then, you know, uh, when we understood that we are going to do that with this legend, with Matt Bales, and uh, at this legendary studios, Studio Litho, that it's, it's Gossard's uh, from Bird Jam Studio, and London Bridge, that like uh, 50% of all the grand uh, albums have been recorded there. It's like, you, you feel, you feel at, the same, at the same point, you feel so small, but really lucky. I mean, it, it was a dream coming through, and uh, I think it was the best. Uh, the best for them, our fourth album was the best way to achieve that. You know, I mean, the timing, the timing, and the music was the best uh, place to go and record our, our fourth album. Talk about what was the recording process like in Seattle? I mean, what was it like coming to an area where that you listened to a lot of the music that came out of that city in the in the '90s to recording? What was that experience like for you guys? Uh, to, to be honest, we b- before the recording, we visited Seattle for a gig uh, in 2018, but. Uh, as most of uh, U.S. touring, you, you don't have no mat- no time at all to to visit the city that you play. You you are because the, there are the distances are so big between the, the cities. Uh, you arrive really late. You do your soundtrack, You play your gig and you move forward. And uh, unfortunately, back then we didn't have the time to feel the city to see where the music that we like and we love was made and actually we we all we only were lucky to to visit uh, the, 
the venue that we were playing was a legendary venue that Ben Jam played there, Nirvana played there, Sam Garden played there, of course. And uh, this was the, the only connection that we that we had till uh, the recordings. So when we when we booked the recording with with Matt, uh, we tried to to have some days before the recording uh, in order to get in the vibe of the city. Also, uh, be we were really afraid of the jet lag, so we, you know we try to to be sure that we are going to be in Seattle and be in this kind of mood and vibe. So I arrived a little bit earlier, uh, made a lot of uh, of sightseeing, and uh, we we try to see the real city, you know, not the major things only. And uh, I think this whole vibe to us and then to the album and uh, this city is amazing for, for me uh, we have visited a lot of cities in the US but never stayed much and uh, for me Seattle is one one of the cities that has a vibe that really reminds me of Europe but at the same at the same moment it's a uh, it's American. I mean, there is there is a lot of culture. There is a, a lot of rock music. There is a lot of alternative culture. There is a there are there are so much open-minded about the uh, human rights, gay rights. Uh, they, they are so cool. If you are a punk or if you are a rocker or if you are a, a, an electro music guy, they, they are really open-minded. And to be honest, we we felt really like home in Seattle. It was, for us, it was like uh, we got right on, on the spot, we got on the vi- in the vibe of Seattle and uh, this whole uh, thing feeling so comfortably there made us record as good as possible. How was the recording process in terms of writing music, in terms of wanting to accomplish maybe something different? Because I noticed the structure and the arrangements of the songs in Youth of Descent are a little different than previous albums by 1000 Mods. You know, they're a little, uh, you know, in, in, in albums previous, there was more of a jam type of feel to the songs, whereas now there's more, there's a different arrangement. Was that what you guys wanted to accomplish? Was that from the producer that wanted to maybe bring you guys in a little bit? How was that? How did that all all go down? Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, the music came before uh, Seattle. So, uh, I mean, the, the music drove us to, to reach for Matt Bales and uh, to reach for the Seattle uh, recording. And uh, as as every time, uh, as we do every time before a new album, uh, we, we there are always some ideas there for uh, practicing, or it's a individual brings some riffs and uh, some ideas, or maybe a, an almost a song, complete song, or something like that. But every time we we focus a lot and we get in our practice space and spend hundreds of hours there for. Almost we are we are there almost every day for for months. We did that uh, before Superman Vacation. We did that before Vultures. We did that before Repeated, and we did that we did that also before Youth of Descent. And uh, I think that 
maybe it goes the timing or our minds or our our new ideas or our new influences and uh, that that made that brought this kind of uh, changes you mentioned uh, it was uh, of course Matt, Matt Bales also added his own touch in uh, definitely on the sound but also a little bit on the compositions but uh, I think the the change of arrangement and the, the change of the whole vibe, as you said, is that uh, it was just the timing and uh, how we felt and how we wanted to express ourselves for the first time as uh, an LP. If you listen to all of your albums, you know, everything from the first album to now, you do see that evolution. You do hear it. You know, you t- you you hear you guys trying to improve yourselves and change what you guys are doing. Not completely, because you guys want to stay true to your influences and, and, and true to your sound. But I do recognize that. You know, when you hear, you know, Youth of Descent and you, you know, go to Vultures, you know, and, and everything that you guys have done, there there is an evolution that you guys hear a development of different sounds and, and, and creating different arrangements on each album. And you can see the growth of the band from album to album, which I think is really interesting. First of all, th- thanks a lot about this. And uh, I, I, as I mentioned earlier, we, we were, we're not the kind of you know professional musicians, the guys that uh, uh, were trying to to break through the music industry or stuff like that. We were music lovers that uh, wanted to express themselves, but of course, every time trying to evolve and uh, every time trying to be better, first of all, as individuals to our uh, music, to, to our music instrument, to it. I mean, I try to be better at the drums day by day. Everyone try to be better at their own instrument day by day. So I think this is the reason that we we listen to a lot of music day by day and a lot of different music, and we try to broaden our horizons and listen to to, to good players or listen to really unbelievable arrangements. We we, we try to, to be better, first of all, as persons and then as musicians. So I think this is the reasons that there is this this kind of evolution. In, uh, in our albums. Well, you definitely hear it. And, and as far as, you know, coming from, you know, Super, super Van Vacation to Youth of Descent, you know, you hear the songs on, on Youth of Descent. I'm a huge, huge fan of the album. Um, you know, I was, I've was i been looking forward to it. I got to tell you, Laros, I've been looking forward to this album for a while. And, you know, to hear it finally come out and to hear, you know, how you guys have evolved was pretty exciting for me. Thank you very much, man. Thanks a lot. We really appreciate that. So last, on, on the last album, you guys toured America, you guys toured North America. How was that experience coming to the States for the first time and playing to your audience here? First of all, it was always a dream 
after we after we started playing uh, gigs uh, abroad outside of Greece and playing Europe so so intense intensively. I mean, we have been touring since 2011 in Europe, and uh, I think from 2014 and later we were playing like 100 gigs per year, uh, almost 100 gigs per year, and. Uh, I think it was always a dream for us to to pass the Atlantic Ocean and uh, and be able to to perform in uh, in US. But uh, when when actual when the actual uh, offer came, uh, we we try to to do it as as good as we can. I mean, try to play the the most cities that we can. Try to to play at places that we know there there is a fan base. Try to play to to reach new new fans, of course, and uh, play new new cities and uh, and be able to communicate with fans and uh, promoters that we were in touch for many years. And after after all this, this were this were a fact. I mean, for us, as I told you earlier, it's. Everything, everything that happens is a, a, a step or two steps moving forward. After the, after this was was there that we are going to finally to USA. We're really eager to play this. And uh, when we arrived in, in US to start the tour, uh, we're already an experienced touring band. We have played several uh, hundreds of gigs uh, across uh, Europe, and uh, we thought that it's going to be. The same, but you know, in a different country. But uh, you know, US is a completely different level for touring for touring musicians. The, it's it's a huge country. The you have every day to drive like 10 to 12 hours to play a show. The, there is a completely different way of uh, accommodating the band. I mean, there there is there is not such of hospitality like there is through the underground promoters in uh, Europe or Greece or uh, uh, Australia uh, and, and that and that happens because there are too many bands touring the US the whole time I mean all the all the venues that we played they they have uh, they had the gigs every day of the month so I can understand that it's not possible to To have a more romantic, underground way of uh, of doing gigs. So this this was an intense and really hard part that we had every day to be in a van for ten uh, hours, and uh, then have to when we arrive at the venue do a really really fast sound check, not even eat or something, and play the show, and then leave after the show uh, before uh, because we have to drive two more or three hours in order to wake up the next day and do the same. And it was a really hard experience in terms of touring, but a really rewarding experience in terms of we didn't expect so many people to come at our, at our shows. We didn't expect so many guys, so many fans to know our music and sing our songs. We didn't expect so, so much and good support on our merchandise, on our uh, uh, records. Uh, people who were coming after the show to meet us and tell us that they're listening to our music for many years and they never believed that we are going to to play in, in USA. So I think 
after after the tour, the we the whole experience uh, was way 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 more way way better than we expected before leaving to USA. I have to imagine you're you're right. I mean, it has to be rewarding to hear fans across the world that know your music and that are singing back to you. I think that's one of the greatest things about being at a rock show is experience that. And I can only imagine what it's like experience that while you're on stage playing the music. You know, we are under a certain circumstance right now that reality has changed all over the world. And you guys just released a new album with great material. How is 1000 Mods moving forward through this COVID-19 pandemic, you know, with touring and, you know, what the next step will be for the band? All, all our tour plans uh, are already cancelled. We had a, a big uh, headline uh, tour uh, for, uh, for, Europe, for Central Europe starting uh, on Friday. <laughs> uh, on 1st of May, we were supposed to play Desert Fest in Berlin, which is uh, one of the, the best festivals uh, in our uh, genre. And uh, we had like 25 days in uh, Europe for uh, May, and then we had uh, 25 uh, more days in uh, June and July, and then we had uh, more than 20 festival uh, shows during July and uh, August, and of course all of these are cancelled. And uh, but but at the same time, uh, we felt that uh, we shouldn't, and that's why we didn't uh, postpone our uh, release. Uh, we a lot of bands did that, and I totally respect that and understand that. Uh, but uh, to be honest, we felt that people now, that mostly, most people all around the globe are uh, forced to stay at home. I think music is uh, one uh, of the best ways to cope with this and uh, make you be uh, feel better with yourself for sure, but also be kind of... Uh, it, ma- it makes you be more positive, I think. For me, it works, and I think it works for m- many people, that music makes you be more positive and makes you cope better with the situation. And that's, I think that's the main reason that we decided not to, not to postpone our, our release and uh, let, uh, finally, we, after the six months from recording, we were able to share our new music with our fans, and uh, now the the only thing that 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 will change in the future is uh, when and how uh, gigs and uh, festivals are going to be able to happen again. And uh, for this, I think there is no there, there will not be a, a serious and uh, a serious answer and uh, something for sure in the next couple of months. So so I think uh, as as most of the music underground industry because the major music industry already has cancelled everything and moved moved almost every festival and line up for 2021 it's going like to 
there's not going to be a 2020 year at all for a major uh, events. I think the, the underground music and uh, bands like us and uh, and bands that really work their asses off, being on the road and uh, trying to reach uh, new places and uh, bring their the music to new fans. I think we have to wait for sure a couple or three months more to to be sure what is going to happen. I think nothing is for sure yet. So there are not regarding gigs, there are no plans at all. But we we are already planning a lot for 2021 and waiting what what is going to happen for 2020 and see how we're going to move. I think that's you know the only thing you can do right now. You know is plan your attack for when this is over plan how you're going to reach your audience when this is over and and figure it out because you know i know there's bands here in america that are postponing events and some of them have even rescheduled dates and i i look at things and i'm like well how how can they reschedule it when they don't really know what's going to happen so you know you have yeah you have to you know, just it is what it is right now. You have to accept it. I I do like the fact that you guys did move forward in the release of the album because let's face it, there's a lot of people inside their homes right now looking for things to do, looking for music to listen to. I know I'm one of those people, and to have an album, Youth of Descent, to digest when I really don't have much going on and nothing to distract me, I think benefits bands like 1000 mods and other bands that do that because right now I think is a perfect time to to grow your audience because for those that maybe have resisted new music or maybe have not heard of you now have a chance to listen and not be distracted as much as they would be under normal circumstances hopefully they uh, my, our our biggest problem uh, for me personally and I also for the rest of the guys in the band, is that we worked a lot for this album. We we pushed ourselves a lot, and and we pushed ourselves for sure before uh, during the composition and the uh, rehearsal time, also during the recordings. But also we pushed a lot after this because we are a, a kind of DIY band. We we release our albums through our own label. We we do a lot of things by our own. Uh, we have a really good team uh, around us trying to to do the best thing for us. Uh, but everything, you know, it, we are we are not on a big label. We are not on a big uh, uh, booking agency. We are we are a band that tries with their own forces every time. And uh, for for all of us, uh, all this energy that we put on this record in all of the sides of this record uh, we the only thing that we wanted was to get on stage and play th- this new music and I think this is the the thing that really shared, uh, shared us a lot inside us but of course the, the whole situation is above all of us so we try to cope with this and uh, as you said we try to be ready when this is over, to be back on the road and uh, finally be able to play our new music for everyone out, out there. The other thing that 
has to be somewhat comforting is that you realize that everyone is in the same boat. Every band across the globe is dealing with the same thing. So it's not like it's only 1000 mods and it's not like it's only, yeah, it's not like it's only affecting you guys. I mean, everyone's dealing with this. So, you know, in terms of the rock community, you know, once 2021 happens and everyone's allowed to start playing shows, I think a lot of people are going to band together and I think a lot of people are going to have a feel good moment, if you will, about playing live music again, about connecting with their fans. And I think that's a positive thing. You know, I think that's, you know, right now is the negative and we're all dealing with that and we have to get through it, but the negative is not going to be here forever. And the fact that everyone is going to probably be moving forward in 2021 or later in 2020, I'm a firm believer, La Rosa, that rock is ready to punch through again. You know, there's some really great young bands out there, you know, whether it's the Greta Van Fleets, whether it's the Struts, whether it's 1000 Mods, whether it's Dirty Honey, whether it's all those bands in the in Europe, in the UK, in Australia, and everywhere, every corner of the globe. I do think that there is a building force in rock and roll that is going to have its day in the sun again. I think 1000 Mods is definitely a part of that because, you know, there's something for everybody in rock music right now. And once this is over, once people get through this, I think people are going to be more primed and ready for rock music to, to, to bang their heads again, to pump their fists in the air, to go to shows and have a good time. Hopefully, man, I, re- I really hope this to happen and uh, can't wait for this. Uh, but uh, as you said, it, it's, it's not only about us and it's not only about rock music. I mean, uh, since we, we, we always try as persons and as a band not to be egocentric. And uh, at this time, there, there are, first of all, there are so many people that died. And there are so many people that lost a, a loved one. And there are so many, not many people that lost their job. And there are so many people that cannot afford their living. And there are so many, I mean, there are bigger problems out there. And uh, it would be really egoistic and uh, egocentric to to be the whining guy, guy that says, oh my God, our tours have been cancelled. It's, it's everywhere. I mean... Everyone has been affected, and uh, because we try to 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 understand the situation, I mean, as humanity, as human tries to understand and cope with the situation, and uh, I think we still we still haven't understand uh, how how big this thing is and how everyone's life all around the globe has been affected. You know, that's interesting that you say that because you, you, you're very aware of what's going around globally. You're very aware of what is happening with people. And I, and I noticed in the album Youth of Descent an awareness of what is happening with the youth of today lyrically um, in the songs that you guys wrote. And I, and I want to know, where did that come from? Where did that inspiration to kind of go in that direction lyrically for the album um, you know your latest record. Where did that come from? I think the the main reason is that uh, 
everything that happens around us, uh, it's it's almost uh, it's unbelievable. It's uh, if you if you take seriously uh, the reality uh, globally. I don't mean only Greece, which of course Greece has been really affected by the crisis the last decade, and uh, a lot of things have changed dramatically and more than million, millions of people's lives have been dramatically affected in, in Greece. And, uh, but globally, if, if you try to, to keep up with, the, with everyday life and understand what's happening around, uh, we, we do live in a surrealistic kind of uh, times. We, we are uh, forced by ir- irrational leaders uh, we are forced by uh, by things that doesn't matter at all. We we fo- we are forced by materi- materialism. We are for- we are forced by destroying all the nature around us just for profit. We are we are for- we are. I mean, human human race is is not is it's it's. It, I don't know if it's dumber that we that we think, or or we or we have been so good and manipulated that uh, we don't understand. We cannot understand what we need as 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 human as human race. What is our what 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 should be our future and what it is actually right now? I mean, this is these things all around us made us uh, feel like that something has to change and uh, in the in history of uh, human human uh, human uh, human race the, the change and uh, the most of the things that happened uh, came from uh, from young people and uh, i think that uh, the most uh, easy way to 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 put a blame uh, for a for a nowadays and for a uh, what we live it's it's the youth and everyone blames the youth that uh, they don't uh, try their best they have been uh, I don't know they are on, on always online and this is what they want to do and uh, and I think this is really really an old way of thinking and uh, these these two factors I think are the, the main that forced us think this way and also put this kind of thinking in our album. Well, it definitely comes through in the album, and I noticed that it was a different, it was a, it was a change lyrically on this album, and in, in much more uh, deeper in terms of connecting with me, at least in terms of what you guys were singing about and what you guys were writing about. And maybe that we get older and, and don't feel young anymore. <laughs> well, on, on that note, Labros, I appreciate you doing the podcast. Uh, it's been an honor to have you on and talk about the new album. Once again, I'm a huge fan of 1000 Mods. Hopefully you guys do get back to North America at some point. Hopefully you do visit Chicago. Looking forward to it. Love to see you guys live. Love the love the new album. Going to continue to listen to it and digest it. And once again, thank you, man. Thanks really, really much. We really appreciate that. Uh, last time we were at Regis, 
two years ago and uh, it was one of the craziest show of the tour it was sold out and uh, and uh, it was you know in the in the bar side of the venue and uh, it felt like surrealistic and uh, we really cannot wait to get back to Chicago in in states in general but Chicago was one of the one of the highlights of the tour and uh, once again thanks a lot for supporting us and bands like like us and uh, to you and to everyone that listens to podcast please try and stay safe and please try and uh, think for for yourself I mean nationally nationally in the US please try trust the, the right guys trust science and hopefully all together we are going to be in a better place in the next Well, thank you very much for that, Labros. I appreciate the words, and I appreciate the interview. Thank you once again. Thanks a lot, Once again, everybody, that's Labros G from 1000 Mods. This is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. We'll talk again soon. Stay healthy, everybody. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions, and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.